Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes to soothing decibels. I'm your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 86. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Jack Black's cartwheel technique, Johnny Utah's throwing motion, and the all-time Pixar rankings of movies. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Normally I do five minutes of Seinfeld level observation, but not today because we have a guest. I'm very proud to announce it's a guy I sidetracked his life for two years, which was fun. He runs a casino in Massachusetts, I think. I mean, I'm not really clear what he does. And he's my only friend who looks like one of the Avengers. It's my friend and soon to be your friend, Andrew Steffen. Hello, world. Thanks, Max, for having me on. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Two, two casinos two, right now. It's, two it's, casinos. It's, oh, my God. You're going to be like uh, Andy Garcia in Ocean's Eleven eventually. I want like slick back <laughs> hair and you're, you know, you're going toe to toe with George Clooney and stuff. I'll take it. Yeah. So we met at a sleazy mortgage lending agency, right? Didn't we like back in the day? We did. Yes. Gold Star? Was that the name of it? <laughs> eight, eight years ago maybe <laughs> god oh my god so i remember you failed the first test that we had because you had to go to chicago for some reason <laughs> yeah and it was only like a 60 percent you needed to pass and i think you got a 55 and you're super annoyed yeah you're, you're close i got a 54 <laughs> oh yeah why do i remember that like i can't remember what i had for breakfast but i can remember your score on a gold star test and i saw you at the gym and i saw your muscular you kind of look like i said you look like an adventure you look like Chris Evans took like two cycles of steroids, basically. I get that a lot. Yeah, you do. I mean, you should just run with it. Just say like you're Chris Evans and you're doing like an Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding biopic. You know what I mean? People would believe that. And you worked at the bar I was employed at for a couple of years, but now we've just been friends. We just talk once in a while. You're my best texting friend. Like you read texts right away and respond. And I love that. And I'm the same way. So I think that's why we're bonded at the hip. <laughs> well, we were just talking, you know, I don't do anything at my job anyway. So yeah, I know you're the best at doing nothing I've ever seen. It's incredible. So good job, casino people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, millions of dollars and this guy, you know, doing nothing. But we wanted to talk about some movie stuff. And, you know, we thought, I think we've danced around this for like a week or two, maybe. And Never really found the right topic. And I thought the fun thing to do would be like an underrated action gem of a movie. And I was thinking like Broken Arrow, which I've already done actually, so it doesn't matter. Double Team. What's another like great underrated action movie actually that you can think of off the top of your head? Anything? I mean, I was almost going to say anything. Michael Bay, um, Armageddon. Are they underrated though? Is any Michael Bay movie underrated? Pearl Harbor maybe, but it stinks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Island. Another Michael Bay, The Island? That movie was dumb. I don't need to see no. childish Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson in white jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't like that they were like four-year-olds, you know what I mean? In like super hot bodies. Like, yeah, exactly. The, the, it, the mental capacity of a four-year-old. Yeah. yeah, it felt very child because there was like sexual tension and stuff. It was like, I don't, I don't want to see that. There was just this, I don't think they, they underestimated the weirdness of that. But we did go Michael Bay. Because he is a god in this household, and I'm sure in yours. And we went, I think, with his best movie. We went with 1996's The Rock. And do you think this is his best movie? I mean, we can get into it, but yeah. he did have a pretty good run there from like 95 to what, 03, from Bad Boys through Bad Boys 2. Yeah, this is, Bad and this Boys, is his. Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys 2, just that run there of what, seven, eight years. Yeah, this is his, this is his second movie, which is crazy. And if you haven't seen The Rock, first of all, fuck you for not seeing The Rock. It's awesome. But a uh, small synopsis of the movie, for those you know not aware, it's a mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men, led by a renegade general, threatens a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. Like, what a great kind of plot for a movie. I don't think I've ever seen anything even reasonably remotely like this. Have you? No, and this plot, I mean, it just moves you from one thing to another. There's no stopping in this film. Whatsoever. No, and it's two hours and 13 minutes, which Way is... too long. You think it's Way too long? Too long. <laughs> I think it moves. I think it's like, I was sh- when I first saw the two-hour, 13-minute mark, I was like, holy shnikes, like, this is going to be long. But I enjoyed the entire ride. I guess the last, like, 20, 25 minutes are a little fatty. But I just, I mean, I adored this movie. Like you said, it's a roller coaster ride, and you never get off. So... 
Michael Bay, let's talk about it. So do you think this is his best movie? Or what do you, I know there's a run, but if you had, you know, Desert Island, you got one movie. Is this the Michael Bay movie? I think it's got to be Armageddon for me. Just that Armageddon being on television every single day for about a decade. Yeah, TNT. Pretty yeah, much. exactly. And that's similar to this movie too, The Rock. Just, But I, I think Armageddon, just the cast that it held and then the plot just... Did just you cry the, at the end of Armageddon? With every the, time. I still yeah. do. Yeah, I do too. It's, I mean, it's, it's brutal. Poor Bruce Willis. Was he a good dad? Do you think though? I mean, his daughter was being like raised on oil rigs and he was firing guns at AJ on the rig. I don't know. Yeah. Under those circumstances, that's hard to do. That's, that's, that's the tough dad moment yeah. there. So I think this is Michael Bay's best movie, actually. Okay. I think, I don't, I don't know. It's just like, it's the cleanest. It's the most original it's the action watching this it felt like it was i I guess all michael bay movies the action feels like so you're you're not into transformers are you the first one the megan fox one i loved big time and then i tried the second one and i got confused and then i stopped how about you yeah yeah just the first one yeah i mean yeah why did he why did he link himself to that for so long there's like six or seven there's like yeah there's like five or six and they make like 90 billion dollars every time so i mean he knows something that we don't know but also, I mean, I, if I, my, my second choice is kind of crazy, but Underground 6 is incredible. Never seen it. So it's on Netflix. It's Ryan Reynolds. It's a team of dead, like pretending to be dead, like mercenaries who are paid by a billionaire to like write things in the world. It's insane. It's amazing. You need to see it. It's Ryan Reynolds and it's on Netflix. Come on. I'll do it. Yeah. You like Ryan Reynolds. You kind of talk like Ryan Reynolds a little bit. You're snarky. <laughs> But so anyways, I mean, this movie had just so many people at their peak. Like I said, Bay is just firing on all cylinders. I mean, he came out of the gate with bad boys and you're like, holy God, like this guy has it all covered. And it looks like a music video. There's all these close up shots. Everything's intense. The music comes in perfectly. The action, you kind of can see where everything is coming conceptually, but it's also just something you've never seen before. And I think he just ups his level in this movie too, which is I mean, it makes sense. I think the budget was double what Bad Boys was. I think Bad Boys was thirty million. This one cost sixty million. Yeah, but the box office just killed it. Yeah, it was three hundred thirty-five million in the box office. For so the great. I mean, do you think anyone thought this movie was going to do badly? You had Nick Cage, Sean Connery, Ed Harris, and Michael Bay coming off Bad Boys. Like, I think it'd be pretty impossible for this movie to fail. You know what I mean? Well, how many of these actors do you think are in their prime right now? Like at their peak? You said Michael Bay kind of at their peak with, with The Rock. Nick Cage, is this a I, peak moment for him? So I think this is Nick Cage's peak as an actor, as a person, as like a not crazy person because he gets weirder and later in life. Like 90, 96, 97, 98? Kind of, we, we want to run through Nick Cage right now? Yeah, so I mean, you got to remember, do you know what movie he came off to make this movie? Um, Without looking at it, no, I don't. So leaving Las Vegas, he won the Oscar for best actor and he follows that up. You know, normally like you do that, you write your own ticket, what you want to do. And he's like, screw it. I want to be an action star. You know what I mean? And he'd never been in an action movie ever. Like you look at his IMDb before this, he's in like Moonstruck as a weirdo, Raising Arizona is kind of a really strange movie. It could happen to you as well. A really cute romantic comedy about a New York cop who wins the lottery and shares it with a waitress. Have you ever seen that? No. Yeah, his wife's Rosie Perez, and he's into Bridget Fonda, who's a, who's a waitress. It's really good. It's really cute. But, like, you never saw him as a pumped-up action guy. And everyone's like, this isn't going to work. You know what I mean? But, like, if you think about it, this combination of his kind of nerdness, his panic, and also his superhero with guns and yelling stuff, I think this is the best use of Nick Cage I've ever seen. So instead of, instead of peak, maybe this is his platform. Like this is his diving off platform for action films. Yeah. Well, the, the, the two year run after this is unassailable. It's this Con Air and face off in two years, which right. is the best three year run action movie. I mean, three action movies ever. Right. I think so. Has to be. The only thing I could think of is John McTiernan, McTiernan as a director, Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October. That's okay. pretty close. Yeah, yeah, as an act as an action star though. Yeah. So I mean, Arnold has an 84 through 87. That's Terminator, Red Sonia, Commando, Raw Deal, Predator, The Running Man. That's Hard. close. But it's not the three in a row that's perfect because Red Sonia and Raw Deal aren't on the same level, you know? So these three movies, I mean, what what would you rank them if you had to do Rock, Con Air, Face Off? What are your three? How do you would you rank those three? 
uh, the Rock face-off, Conair. Really? Okay. Kind of down there. I, I, I'm a huge face-off fan. You know Me that. too, but Conair, I don't know. I like the whole group of it all. You know what I mean? And also, Nick Cage in like a white, a wife beater, you know, with a mullet and an Alabama accent <laughs> on a plane with John Malkovich. I mean, that's pretty good. I, I think Con Air kind of falls in those lines with Armageddon and The Rock where they were just on TNT every single day for a decade. Yeah, they were. Yeah, God bless. TNT knew their audience. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I would get stuck watching that. So talking about those three performances, it's interesting, though. I think The Rock utilizes the best of Nick Cage because in Con Air, he's the soft-spoken, hard-ass kind of guy who has one or two clever lines. And it's fun, but it's not, it's not utilizing the insanity of Nick Cage, you know, his kind of one minute he's one way, the next minute he's a next. And in Face Off, if he was Caster Troy the whole time, if him and Travolta switched roles, I think it would have been better because I like Nick Cage acting bizarro in the first 10 minutes of that movie, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, I would agree. I would think that The Rock is his best. I think it's his best performance of all time. I can't think of anything better. Ooh, that is tough. Why? What's, what's, what's better? National Treasure? I mean, he's kind of playing like a joke of himself. Like when he's like, I'm going to steal the declaration. I, I, I remember listening to your Nick Cage podcast and just yeah. the films that you just ripped off are just amazing. I mean, no, no actor can stand up in Nick Cage. No. And you see the movie he's coming out with soon, Jiu-Jitsu? No. <laughs> so it's kind of a predator meets blood sport. A robotic alien half man comes to earth to fight our best uh, Kung Fu artists once every like five, 10 years to like kill them and spare humanity. And he's kind of like a Raiden, like action hero can control lightning God of this movie. He can literally do whatever he wants. Yeah. Well, he does. I mean, Nick Cage is crazy. And like, like I said, no one thought he could do this. You know I mean? He was just, he was a normal actor. He's actually, if you didn't know this, he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. His right. actual, his real name's Coppola, but he changed it to Nick Cage, which thank God. Cause Nick Cage is just, it's a great name. You know I mean? It just sticks in your craw. And I love the hair. If you notice in this movie, his hair is all frizzy and kind of out of out of proportion and kind of and just the weirdness, like him playing a guitar naked on the rooftop while having sex with his fiance who is in pigtails. And he's talking about like amaretto cream and like peach persuasion and stuff like that. It's just it's really bizarre, but it's really Nick Cage. It feels appropriate, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Great name too, Stanley Godspeed or Goodspeed, right? Goodspeed. Yeah, Godspeed, I think I think Connery calls him Godspeed or Godspell. Well, he's like, do you know what the uh, I can't do a Connery, but you know what the like uh, birth of your name is? It's like Goodspeed to have a good trip. Yeah. So yep. and I guess Nick Cage changed the name to Stanley. It wasn't Stanley originally, but he's like he goes up to Michael Bay. He's like, listen, the name's got to be Stanley. And has to be. <laughs> and so interesting, actually, he did a bunch of improvising on this movie. So most of Nick Cage's lines are actually improvised. And he went and decided that he wasn't going to swear the whole movie. So if you notice, Stanley doesn't swear the whole movie. I did not notice that. But, yeah. but the improv, I can kind of tell. I yeah. don't know if Nick Cage just being Nick Cage or if he's making fun of himself. I don't, I don't know. The, I mean, the, the, the freeze freeze sucker, that, that kind of got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, or like I think Zeus's butthole, I think is one, th <laughs> one thing he says. Listen here, a-hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, and he says, like, gee whiz a few times, and he's, like, a Beatles maniac, and, like, I don't know, he just felt like a very lived-in character. Like, I liked him. Like, I'd never seen a chemical engineer who also, he could turn on the action gene once in a while in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, you actually, once in a while, he had it, and you're like, yeah, he's getting it, you know? <laughs> like, I love when uh, the rocket gets launched, and he's looking out the window, and he, like, jumps up and grabs the window with one hand and kind of, like, almost pull-up bars his hand up. Do you remember that? At the very end? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's what an action star does. But I mean, the real action star in this movie is Sean Connery, which is crazy because he's like, what, 60, 65 in this movie, right? Yeah. So do you think do you think Connery won this this film? No, did I think Nick Cage won it. I think he did. You think Nick Cage wins it? Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. He's too much fun. I mean, Connery has a great role. There's really kind of like, he's kind of like badass, cranky old James Bond who's been in jail for 30 years. You know what I mean? Like. He, they're taking what does Sean Connery do well? Kind of the snarky, I'm smarter, I'm better, I'm more arrogant than you, and I'm also handsome. And I mean, it's just yeah, he goes from looking like Charlie Manson to James Bond in about five minutes. For that haircut, he looks great after that haircut. Like <laughs> they did a great job on that. And but I kind of liked grungy Sean Connery too. You know what I mean? I liked 
you know, him with the long hair kind of, uh, you know, looked like he was a drummer in Nirvana. So I think this was his last action flick, John Connery. So he did Entrapment in 99, I believe. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if that qualifies as action. That's a heist movie. He's not really, you know, it's our heist movies, action movies. I think so. Right. I think so Yeah. Yeah. And actually funny, uh, Connery said his favorite performances in the nineties were the rock or entrapment. Like it's 50, 50. So I think this is much better, honestly. Yeah. More than entrapment. Yeah. I liked entrapment though. I mean, for undisclosed reasons though, we'll just say laser beams and leave it at that. <laughs> Captain, Captain Jones. Okay. Yes. Oof. Thank Thank you for blowing up my spot. And also, uh, what's his name? Uh, God, he's in Con Air too. He's gonna buy Ving Rhames is in it. I like I like a good yeah. Ving Rhames '90s performance. He's very intimidating and scary. But so the crazy thing about this movie, like, it's really funny. It's really well put together. It flies. But apparently, the script wasn't up to snuff to begin with, and the script is only 80 pages. And normally, scripts are like 120 to 130 pages. And it'd been bouncing around Hollywood for a while, and. A lot of people had said no to it. And then the script got punched up by two writers. Do you know who punched this up and didn't get credit on it? It's insane. I do. I do. And it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy that they're not credited in this film. Say it. Say I'm Shimbo. <laughs> I've got Aaron Sorkin. Yes. And Quentin Tarantino. That's insane. Like, that's <laughs> like... Credited screenwriters on this film. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you get the best of both worlds. You get like snarky criminal stuff and you get like do-gooder walk and talk west wing you know what i mean like that's a combination i didn't know i wanted like what's a food combination that you don't think would work but like it does like peaches and sausage apparently on a pizza is really good or something like that you know what i mean like you're like how would these two people work together i want to see them in a room together i, I mean, know like like i wonder if they actually worked together or one of them took a look at it and then the other one like there's not much on the internet but i mean it's pretty clear the original writers didn't have much to do with this because david weisberg and douglas cook wrote this and you know, you think if you wrote a movie like this, you'd be able to write your own ticket and have a lot of lot more movies in Hollywood. They had like three or four movie credits after this, and they're all garbage. Yeah, I say that those names don't really double jeopardy, right? Yeah, and also Criminal. Apparently, a Kevin Costner, Ryan Reynolds movie in 2016, where a dead CIA agent's uh, memories implanted in a death row inmate. Apparently, it's wild. Apparently, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I've never heard of it, but it sounds insane. But it's pretty clear that Sorkin and Tarantino had, you know, a serious impact. And it makes sense when you see it. Like, the quotes from this movie are insane. Like, what's your favorite quote from this movie? Oh, gosh, I don't even know. It's, it's got to be something from Nick Cage, either the, the freeze sucker or freeze a-hole. Yeah, or I love when he's like, well, well, there's a problem, sir. He's got a gun. It's like, what do you have, a fucking water pistol? Like, <laughs> I love hard cop talk. Or when Sean Connery's like, your best, losers always complain about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. And he's like, Carla was the prom was queen. Prom queen. <laughs> and Sean Connery looks all interested. He's like, really? And Sean and uh, Nick Cage loads his gun up and he goes, yeah. <laughs> like their dynamic is really fun. I wonder if they're friends in, in real life or are they kind of, an, I feel like Nick Cage probably annoyed Sean Connery is the feeling I got. Yeah, they, they seem like complete opposites. Yeah, well, I think in real life too. Like Nick Cage is kind of like this, you know, just all over the wall, just kind of, but I, I think that dynamic and that contrast, like in Buddy Cop kind of, you know, two people, this kind of harkens back to the eighties, you know, this kind of has a lethal weapon. It's like tango and cash. This is me and you against the world kind of thing. 48, 48 hours. Yeah, exactly. Like it definitely, I've been watching a ton of eighties movies cause I'm doing an eighties movie podcast. And it's like, this has the soul of an eighties movie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, That's, that's the way it feels to me. But uh, I mean like, but like I said, it looks like it was made last year. Like there's no, pop references there's no cultural references it's aged very well yeah there's no need for cell phones either you know what i mean like a cell phone couldn't have changed anything in this movie i don't think right probably not yeah i mean at worst one of the 81 prisoners would try to make a call and they'd like say like oh we have a cell phone blocker because they brought a lot of stuff to alcatraz and what a cool what a cool location too that it was alcatraz how did no one think of this before you know it's just genius to have this as kind of a command center yeah, I don't think there's any other films based off of Alcatraz. I there's Escape from Alcatraz, which is a Clint Eastwood <laughs> 70s movie. <laughs> but, I mean, like I said, it's not used as often as it should be. Just, I mean, like, you know, aesthetically, it's awesome. Is it still there? Or did they get rid of it? I feel like they got rid of it. They may have gotten rid of it. I don't know. But, I mean, well, this is good radio that, you know, I know we both, right? <laughs> both don't know something. But... <laughs> But like the way the quotes move and just like the, you can tell like where Sorkin was. Like, I love when they're in the situation room 
and the chief of staff is like reading off uh ed harris's like commendations is like three purple hearts two silver stars and the congressional medal of jesus this man is a hero i'm like that's that sounds like something from the west wing you know Yep. any any of those uh political quotes that's all sorkin yeah oh yeah he they're basically like you have the situation room you know go nuts yeah and go ahead when when was west wing i mean american president was right before this in 95 when was west wing west wing well right God, it ended in 2000. So, so maybe just, just after just after this film, a couple of years after, 99. Yeah, but I mean, Sorkin wrote this way in general, like uh, A Few Good Men, you know what I mean? Like this is, he's been writing this way from get-go, you know, just that educated, I'm smarter than you kind of stuff. And then you can tell the Tarantino of it all with like uh, the guy who, who wants to cut Nick Cage. is like, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. And just, uh, you know, Nick Cage repeating it in the cell over and over again. And he's like, what's wrong with these people? Were they not loved as a kid? There's a lot of, I'm, I'm like 16, I'm mad at my dad. You know, like all that kind of stuff. So funny. This, this isn't a very violent film, but the violent parts, you can tell are Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And I do love, so I mean, they have these rockets with VX poison gas, which by the way, don't know if it exists, but like they made it seem believable. You know what I mean? Like this felt like something that the army somehow has, but like the scenes where someone actually exposes themselves to VX gas, you get like a little zombie face melting, but not much. You know what well, I mean? The dude in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but not, I mean, like the way Stanley describes it, where it's like you cough so hard, you break your own back, and then you like puke up your own guts. Like we didn't see any of that. But, and I was, but, I was but very that, grateful for that. But that's after your skin melts off. Yeah, right? of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some violence. I mean, uh, Sean Connery does kill a guy by throwing a knife in his, in his throat and also there's i love when uh someone's foot's twitching after they're dead and stanley's like is that normal it's like the foot twitch thing it's like yeah the foot twitch thing it's like yeah that's normal you know what i mean it's like can you make it stop it's like what do you want me to do kill him again like just the back and forth with the violence and the lines is just so great like normally a movie that the, is this action-packed doesn't have time for good dialogue and that's i think what makes this movie so fun and everyone's having a good time you know what i mean like i sh- like Nick Cage looks like he's having the best time in this movie, you know? Yeah, he does. Um, at, from the beginning to the end. I yeah. Think, yeah. Just just him. Now that I know that he's improving after this movie, it makes sense. Just having fun with this movie. Yeah, like I remember in the Humvee versus the yellow Ferrari scene, which is just so Michael okay. Bay. It's like, yeah, they're going to steal two cars. We need the most, the nicest, most contrasting cars on the face that of the earth. That entire sequence can be cut from the film. And yeah. I wouldn't miss it. Oh, I would be so annoyed if that got cut from the film. It's got one of my so Nick Cage having a good time when he's chasing the Humvee and he's he looks at a glass plate window and just goes, Oh well, why not? And just kicks it into sixth gear and runs through the glass. Like that's definitely Nick Cage just having fun. I'm not even sure if that was like a fake wall. I think he just went through it and they just filmed it. Oh, through the department store. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, that's fantastic. So I mean, like every that's the great thing about this movie. It's unapologetically unnecessary. You know what I mean? It's just glamour glitz apparently i love to i mean this is a michael bay thing he focuses on people's faces so much you know what i mean he likes like intense shots of like sweaty glistening faces and it annoyed ed harris so much because he acts with his whole body which is such a method actor thing to say that actually made me hate ed harris a little bit he's like i act with my whole body and he's not showing it i'm like shut up michael bay is making you look awesome but I just love that uh, Michael Bay has that much attention to detail and just loves what he's doing, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of sweaty Marines and uh, sweaty political figures in this film. Oh, the amount of cocoa Bill, butter that they used in this? I mean, I'm Bill sure... Forsyth, he... Bill Forsyth's character, Paxton, the one with the, the, like, the Pat Riley hair and mustache. I think he's sweating from beginning to end. Yeah, that guy. that guy's like a that guy. He's in a ton of movies. I don't really know him. Right. He's a really weird cop in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, do the letters T, J mean anything to you? And it's like, oh man, you are strange. He's, his mustache looks fake though. It's a good mustache, but it looks fake. It's a really good mustache. Yeah, I can't grow a mustache. Can you grow a mustache? I did, remember, during quarantine. No, uh, no I don't. I'll I need sent you to... some pictures, my, yeah. my, my handlebar. Is it cop mustache, hipster mustache, porn star mustache? What are we talking about? Porn star mustache. Ooh, that's good we, stuff. We can move on. We can move I'm sure on. your wife hated it. She did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like we were talking about, the action scenes are just so good. Like it starts with like the Fairmont Hotel balcony dangle scene like you're wondering the whole time what mason is doing you know grabbing the little rope from the shower by the way what is that rope in the shower he was grabbing i have no idea i've never i watched this movie two times in the last couple days and i still don't know what that rope comes from yeah i've I've literally every time i go to a hotel i look for that rope (laughs) i'm like (laughs) is it to like move the shower curtains or something i i don't know but 
came in came in serious handy. And like just like the hairstylist being all funny while that chaos is happening too is fantastic. And you know, I mean, like the guy him ordering the room service so that the uh, security guys are all just eating scallops while uh, while he's escaping. Like it's just it's a it's brilliant on many levels because it just it you can tell Sean Connery is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. You know, he's he's an escape expert, and you get to see it right away. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Or when he uh, takes the quarter and opens the. Uh, uh the double glass windows when he's getting interviewed i love that too oh just smashes through the glass yeah womack yeah womack is also i love that that he's uh john spencer who's leo mcgarry from uh from west wing the west wing yeah and he's great as a jerk like you know normally he's such a kind-hearted guy as leo mcgarry like he is a jerk in this movie he is my my, i was watching the the movie by myself and my wife walks in she says leo mcgarry i thought i saw his or heard his voice yeah, so I knew him as Womack before I knew Leo McGarry. So I was like, I was hesitant to like Leo McGarry and I ended up loving him, but I knew him as the jerky director Womack. Womack is the complete opposite. He is. Hate him. I mean, he tears out the pardon right away. It's like, screw you. Although I love, he probably has the most, the best casual throwaway line in all action movie history. When uh, the other, when, God, who's the other FBI guy? It's, you just said his name. When, uh, when Paxton's asking him, like, I need to know why, you know, Mason's been locked away for 30 years. And he's like, he knows everything, like the alien landing and, and, uh, and uh, the JFK assassination, like what really happened. It's like, that was one line of dialogue and they don't bring it up till the very end. It's I like, seemed like a throwaway and yeah. then at the very, very end, right. But I love that this movie's so crazy that that stuff seems plausible. You know what I mean? Like, of course, yeah, of course this guy in the 60s stole microfilm that had all of America's secrets on it and like aliens exist. And that's not even, you're not even concerned about it. I just love it. And we got the Humvee and Ferrari chase, which is fun. The underwater Fast and Furious kind of jet skis when they're the Navy SEALs are trying to get into Alcatraz. Uh, apparently those are going to get cut, but Bay demanded it. He's like, it's really cool. And I think it's a great scene too. Because I've never seen... I don't even know what those jet skis are that they're holding under there, you know? So at what point, like how many minutes in is this jet ski? Because I don't remember the first half of this film growing up, just because I think we said it every single time we watched this, it was on TV. So you're flipping through the channels and you see, oh, they're at the rock already. Let's keep watching. So I don't remember half of this, the first half of this film. So I remember the first half better than the second half, because I think it's more, I think it's more fun. Like, I had to rewatch the first half two times just because I, I had I missed so much. Yeah, because I mean the Humvee, the Ferrari, the Fairmont Hotel, him the jet going. The water. And, yeah, and I love I love when they describe people as like almost monsters when they're like getting taken out of their jail cell and they're like he's the greatest trained operative we've ever seen, you know that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's like, like yeah, the best like, of the uh, best kind of stuff. Yeah. So and so the movie really kicks into the second part of the movie with the boiler room, you know, where the Navy SEALs, and I guess they had real Navy SEALs in that movie, in that movie too, which is pretty cool. And one of the Navy SEALs also was Jimmy from Roadhouse, which is amazing. I just love that so much. You remember one, of the the- Navy, one of the Navy SEALs, he was also um, one of the lead space Marines in Alien. Yeah. That's Michael Bean. Okay. He, that, this is his third Navy SEAL appearance in a movie. He was in the abyss. You ever seen that? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. another, uh, that's, that's who Michael Mann. No. no, that's uh, James Cameron. James Cameron, yeah. And it's like where he started his obsession with like the underwater stuff. And like, it's funny, you can see where the rest of his movies went because of the abyss, like technologically. Like it was like the beginning. Really shitty ending though. The last 20 minutes sucked. The rest of the movie's awesome. And uh, Michael Bean was also in Navy SEALs and this. And that, like you said, he's the military dude in Aliens and he's the savior in Terminator as well. Yeah. I wonder what happened to him. Like he was awesome. You know what I mean? Like, do you, have you ever seen him in a movie and been disappointed? No, never. Yeah. He just got that intensity and apparently he was uh, intimidated by this movie because I guess six of the members of the Navy, Navy SEAL team were real Navy SEALs. So like barking out orders to real Navy SEALs, he kind of felt like a fraud. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, I would take command from Michael Bean any day. He's just that intimidating, but kind of noble kind of guy. And I love so, when he's like, I will not give that order. Side note, he is going to be in the Mandalorian season two. No way. Cool. So they're like, I love it. Carl Weathers, him, who else? Like Drago's going to be in one season at some point. Like they're reviving like 80s, 90s strongman badass guys. Love it. Yeah. I mean, that's what Tarantino should do. He should make a movie with all of them. But, uh, and then we're moving on. We got the, well, I mean, they all get murdered, which is pretty harsh too. You know, that's a bummer when all the Navy yeah. SEALs get killed. And that's, that's what, five minutes once they get to the rock. Yeah. So how do you feel about General Hummel in general? 
General Hummel in general. Yeah, I shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> I mean, as a whole, like as a bad guy, because he's unique. You know what I mean? He's not. Right. He's not asking for any money for himself. He wants it for the fallen Marines that are under his command and the Marines that are committing treason. So I didn't do a count of the Marines, though. Does he get a million, too? Or is he not taking the million? I don't think he's taking a penny. Okay. Because I never I never got to count if it was 27 or 26. Because I know it's 83. No, 17. Because it's 83 million to the 83 families that of the people that died under his command. And then there's 17 Marines or there's 16. I'm not sure. Right. Because he asked for $100 million. Right. Yeah. So maybe he was greedy. You know, maybe he actually took 10 million for himself. You don't know. But I'm saying it's such a unique character because he's doing this for the right causes and he doesn't ever really seem evil during the whole movie. You know what I mean? Right, he, because they called his bluff at the very end when he redirected that rocket. Yeah, and also, I mean, fired. Yeah. also in the very beginning of the movie, he tells the children to get off the island, remember? He's like, hey, girls, get your group, and, you know, you got to go. Do you, and, think those, do you think those girls got off the island? You don't see them later, so I think so. I mean, it's supposed to humanize them. Do you think that that doesn't raise any suspicions? So, yeah, I was going to ask this. It's like <laughs> a five-year-old waddles up to her, like, teacher. It's like, this man said we should leave. <laughs> it's like, I don't think the teacher would respond positively to that in general. But, uh... <laughs> Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. But he seems like, you know, his wife, I mean, like he seems married. He seems like he did a great job as a, you know, as a general. And also, I mean, when him and Mason meet for the first time and Mason kind of insults America and like uh, he insults patriotism, it almost makes you root more for Hummel. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. When he's uh, kind of surrendering there. Outside. Yeah, he's like, He's like, uh, patriotism is lunacy. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's like, no, it's not. America's awesome. Like, I think they do that on purpose. What do you think of Ed Harris's performances, like, as an actor? I think is this, this might be better ones. I mean, he's coming off of Apollo 13, right? Yeah. So I'm watching the right stuff right now, and he's fantastic in that. You ever seen that? No, I haven't. No. So it, it's the, it's a three hour, like, basically biopic of how astronauts came to exist. Mm-hmm. And it's him, Dennis Quaid. And I'm trying to think who else, Jeff Goldblum. And I mean, it's, it's a fantastic movie. But anyways, Ed Harris, I think he's always good in kind of crazy situations that involve space or underground or military stuff. So I think this this might be his best performance. You know what I mean? I just, I believe him as kind of this hard-ass general who has a heart, you know? Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. One of his better performances. Yeah, I haven't seen Pollock where he got nominated for an Oscar. I hear that was really good. I'm surprised this film, The Rock, you know, it was only nominated for Best Sound. Yeah, at this point, at this point, action movies didn't really resonate with uh, with Hollywood, with the uh, Oscars. You know, I mean, I think 2008's The Dark Knight is really when they started being like, okay, you know, an action or superhero movie can be, you know, an Oscar nominee. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't get. I mean, I just watched A Fish Called Wanda the other day. And Kevin Klein won an Oscar for that. It's terrible. It's like schlocky, like British humor. Have you ever seen it? It's heinous. Is it called, a fish called what? A fish called Wanda. No. And it's, it's literally like a Monty Python uh, comedy movie about like a heist gone wrong. And he, he won the Oscar. So I'm like, if he can win that, then General Hummel can win Best Supporting Actor. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he should have. Yeah, I mean, he was a dynamic, unique villain. I, I'm surprised they don't do villains like this more often, where, like, they know the system really well because, you know, they've been to the top of it. They're dealing with people that they already knew, you know, in the Pentagon. And I love when he's, like, he tells them about the slush fund that he wants $100 million from. And he's like, yeah, it's where the U.S. sells uh, illegal arms to other people. And he, everyone in the room's like, Jesus, don't tell everyone that. <laughs> <laughs> like, just little touches like that. Like, that's definitely a Sorkin thing. Like, only Sorkin would know that kind of stuff. Yeah, in-depth details like that, yep. Yeah, so, and also, is this the most handsome, bald, or balding dude of all time in this movie? Who? Ed Harris. He's got the crop circle right in the middle, yeah. <laughs> like, you can see, it's the beginning of balding, you know what I mean? I, I, that's not my notes, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's him or Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Like, the, I think it's the thinning hair hall of fame, is what, yeah. it, what it would be, because they still got good coverage. But yeah. Ed, Ed Harris in general is Great looking, bald, not bald, doesn't matter. <laughs> what? Ed Harris is a good looking dude. He's still like decent looking in West Wing. I mean, Westworld. Westworld, yeah. 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 Although he's so angry. It just really upsets me. He's just too angry in that movie or that show. But like the rest of the cast in this movie is insane too. Like 
John C. McGinley is just a random. Is he a captain in this movie in the Marines? Oh, um, Dr. Perry Cox. Yes, he no, always. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a captain. So yep. is he is he Dr. Perry Cox forever or? Because he, he's been in so many good movies though. Think about it. He's <laughs> been in this. He's been in Platoon. He's been in Office Space. He's been in Seven. Like he's got some major, and they're usually military roles too. He's like right. that guy is, or he's the FBI agent in Point Break and in Set It Off. Yeah, like, did you, say, did you say Seven. Yeah. Yeah, and yep. like. So I wonder, but, has he has he passed being Dr. Perry Cox at this point, though? Because he's been in so many... I think just because, again, we we grew up in this era of watching television every single day. Yeah. We saw Dr. Perry Cox every single day on TV. Yeah. Right? I mean, when he kills the three patients, is like, I watch that scene once a week with the I how to save a life in the background. Day. Yep. Or the, where do you think we are when he's at the funeral? That, that cuts me pretty every time. Mm-hmm. What's funny, uh, you know Shea Serrano on the rewatchables? Yeah. So he has like a... 100 page pdf about why scrubs is like the underrated show of our generation he's like a dr cox like disciple it's awesome oh my gosh <laughs> it's kind of sad kind of sad in this movie to see him with his legs on fire he got he had pretty a gruesome like unfair death i feel like there's another private in there um i'm not sure which who he is private mccoy his name is steve harris as the actor his brother is the actor who played avon barksdale oh no way yeah, just just a weird note yeah, yeah. Is that the guy with the uh, gun at the end that Sean Connery pushes off the ledge? Uh, is that no. the I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy? No, that's, uh, gosh, oh. which one he is, but no, not him. Got it. I mean, there's so many people in this movie, but quick question. So John C. McGinley dies because Sean Connery lights his feet on fire. Why did they give Sean Connery a squeeze bottle of kerosene? That's all they gave him, though. Yeah, but what was it going to be used for besides... Like they thought he was gonna be in a mine shaft, and they're. I almost Marine. thought it was like a joke. The Marines were playing a joke on him. Like this is all you get. Yeah, but the kerosene in the matches. I guess it's just it's just a really weird thing. They should have been like, here's a pencil holder and four sticks of bubble gum. It's like yeah, what? MacGyver. Yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, they kind of MacGyver their way through this uh, through the Marines and like all the Marines. It's loaded. So Tuco Salamanca from yes. Breaking Bad. Looks good as a young guy, by the way. I like the little man bun. Was, man did he bun. start? Did he start the man bun? He may have. I was actually watching uh, Alien. Was it Resurrection? He's in that. I love movie. Alien Resurrection. Another another Marine. Yeah, that yeah. movie's underrated. That's Ron Perlman and Winona Ryder, right? Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Kind of, if you have badass gangsters in space, I'm always in. And it's like dirty space, you know, where it's like it's. The future has been the future for so long that like the spaceships are rotting. Yep. I'm always in for that. Always. Yeah. All the alien movies, I, not alien versus predator, but like all the alien movies before that I've been in. Prometheus was awesome too. Yeah. We just went through a, uh, like an alien. Um, what do you call it? Binge. Watch party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alien, alien binge. Yeah. Just watch right there. You having a seizure here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I saw aliens for the first time two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. I know. And also, speaking of people that were in this movie that are just shocking, the guy who played the Candyman in that horror series is also one of the captains. Candyman, yeah. Captain Candyman. Yeah. Well, he get he has the most gruesome death, right? Doesn't he? He yeah, he eats one of those VX green balls, right? No, no, no. That's not the ca- can, Candyman's the tall black guy. Oh, he gets shot out the window with the rocket. Yeah, well, he gets impaled by a spike. Yes. When he falls. <laughs> oh, yeah. at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great line, too. And it's like Hey, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. It's like we haven't met. Do you like music? It's like why do I, why do I want to talk to you about this? And he's like, well, I just I say it because you're the Rocket Man, you know, with Elton John, and then he just launches him. Great line. You and, are. Yeah, but the other captain, by the way, Captain Darrow, the guy you're talking about, who's like cock blocked and ready to rock, sir. Like yep. that guy's awesome. Like, why is he not in any? Do you know him from anything else? His name was Gregory Sporleader. Sporleader, yeah. Yeah. Is he in um, anything else? Black Hawk Down, maybe. Was he? I think. Are you just making that up? I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm doing my half-ass uh, quick research here. So he's in oh, Twister. Yeah. yeah. But like, I feel like he was a star. Like he held his own with everyone in this movie. You know. Yeah, he did. Like I, I feel for being, like, a, for being a no name. Yeah, he held. His yeah, own. I don't know. It's just like it's like that Tom Sizemore where you're like, he's holding the screen with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro just fine. Like he's just as good as everybody in this movie. You know. And then who was the other guy? The um, the other like um, Ed Harris's right hand man, Major Baxter. Yeah, he's a that guy. 
that's a, Morris, another that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was in that creepy movie with Shia LaBeouf where he's like spying from uh, like next door. He's in the Hurt Locker, Green Mile, 12 Monkeys, Contact. He's always like the second or third fiddle. He's got that great calming. He's like the badass version of Steve Martin. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Just that nice calming silver hair, you know? I think so, he's a proof, proof of life too. Needless to say, this is like an ensemble cast where you just got like the best of the best action guys of that era. Of yeah, I wonder who the uh, casting director was because they nailed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And the fact that you have Jimmy from Roadhouse just to see his face for one second is just incredible. <laughs> Which one is he? He's, he's one of the Navy SEALs. <laughs> and the only reason I know that he has no dialogue, you don't see him except you see his face once. It's just because the night before I watch this, I watch Roadhouse. Oh, okay. So I was like, that's Jimmy. Like that dude fucks guys in prison who are bigger than Patrick Swayze. What a great line, by the way. I love that line. Roadhouse is crazy, by the way. Do you know the guy who directed that movie? His first name is Rowdy. Rowdy House? Rat- no. <laughs> the director's name is Rowdy Bennington. <laughs> like that's the guy who directs Roadhouse. I like it. Yeah. So, I mean, like we said, Alca- Alcatraz is a character. is just so much fun. Like when Sean Connery's going through the boil room and timing out, you know, the flames and all just so unnecessary but so cool and like how they're like going through the sewers and then you know popping up and kind of like this wet kind of murky navy seal wet dream kind of stuff like it's just a close cut fast-paced movie yeah um popping up in the shower room um that's one of the greatest scenes of the film oh yeah i even love how michael bean when he looks up and he goes motion sensors and he's like (laughs) he says it like extra wet and i don't know every time i see that i'm like if, I, if that scene's on, I do, not, I do not leave until he says motion sensors. And <laughs> so, they, a lot of these things make more sense now that I've seen this movie from beginning to end. What, the, like, you mean the movie the as a whole? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The motion sensors, uh, when, when Cage says he was vaporized at the end. A lot of these things make a lot more sense watching this film. Yeah. And also, I mean, when John C. McGinley sets up that motion sensor that he's like, we head fake him with a laser beam and this guy, you know, gets him. And then it works just like he said, you know what I mean? Because if you catch this on TV, you may not have ever heard that. That's true. Yeah. You caught this in 15 minute, you know, bits. And also I'm sure there's some parts that were cut out of TNT, you know I mean? A little too violent, a little too sweary. Yeah, maybe kind of the, the, the knife through the throat. Oh my God. Yeah. You must never hesitate. <laughs> God. So I wonder, I was trying to look to see how much Sean Connery stunt double there was. It doesn't seem like there's that much. All his own stunts has to be. No, I mean, I think when I saw him when he's running down the Fairmont Hotel and he bumps into the maitre d's and like they spill their food. That's definitely not him. <laughs> but like normally you can kind of pick out a few more, but this one's even pretty clean. I'm sure I know Nick Cage does most of his own stunts in general. So I think it was him completely through this movie. Roger Ebert gave this a three and a half. Yeah, he really liked it. It was awesome. I, I love I love reading Roger Ebert reviews and like he confirms that what I'm watching is good. Yeah, the, the first line of his review of The Rock is a first-rate slam-bang action thriller with a lot of style and no little humor. I can disagree. I think there is some humor in this film. You think it's, it means no little humor? I think it means that the humor is not little. No. Okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? Because he comments yeah. later that it was funny. I think. Because I read that review too. Roger Ebert's a hard man to read. Yeah, he is. Well, so, I mean, Sean Fennessy on The Ringer brought it up the best. He's the best at digesting more important movies for mainstream culture and explaining why they're important. So he misses a lot with like dumb comedy and he misses a decent amount with action movies unless it's really well done. He's more, he's explaining the Oscars and why things are important to you in a really good way. I think he hit on this movie though. Three and oh, no, he does. I'm saying in general, like he will miss. Oh, yeah, on, sure. Yeah, on some action movies. I mean, he gave a uh, point break three and a half stars too. So that was awesome. Oh, yeah. I actually, I made my family watch Point Break this week. We do a weekly movie week. And uh, this was my pick. And I did Point Break. And we're going to talk about it tonight. I'm really excited. And I'm trying to think what else we got. We talked about the close cuts, the fast pace. The music was great too. Like it's just a very kind of like pump up. So it sounded. Um, like Pirates of the Caribbean, just because it's Hans Zimmer. Oh, it is Hans Zimmer? Interesting. Yeah, Hans Zimmer, who does most of the sound. It, it just reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean. I think that's where he got most of his sounds from. And I think I said this earlier, but this was his only nomination was for Best Sound. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's not editing. That was for like the best actual like soundtrack kind of stuff? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a little bit stereotypical, though. Every time 
Sean Connery said something profound to uh, Nick Cage, it would be this like floaty Irish music or Scottish music. Oh yeah, it was. I was like, you're going really lowbrow here, bro. Like maybe, just... <laughs> maybe one thing that didn't age well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's not didn't feel like racist or anything like that. Although that was kind of funny that one guy who was punching uh, Sean Sean Connery at the end. He's like, did I tell you my old man was Irish? And he just keeps punching him. I'm like, oh man, old guy Sean Connery fighting young guys. He should have gotten his ass kicked like a bunch. Like those, Sean those Connery? yeah, those he was taking Marines on one on one. And it's like he's been in jail for 30 years. And it's like these are like high intensity, you know, muscled out 30 something Marines. I think it was unrealistic how they they killed them all. I mean, it's, it's still awesome. It's OK. But I mean, this movie, this movie should be more realistic. It was based on a true story. I said that was the only thing that was unrealistic. <laughs> oh, you know what bothered me? So when they launched the rocket and it's going to the football game, first of all, San Francisco is a highly populated city. Like, just launch it into San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like, why are they going to Oakland? And when they go to Oakland and they're going over the football stadium, if you notice the crowd is wearing all red, mm-hmm. it's Oakland. Why is it? Why is everyone wearing red? It should be black and silver. <laughs> like, that. They, they clearly did the 49 stadium, you know, shot. But, yeah. like, why did they – I mean, it should have been the 49er stadium. You know oh, what so I mean? So that, like, that rocket was headed to Oakland. Right. Okay. Yeah, because uh, – what's his name? Paxton was like, Oakland, football game, you know? but it's like this stuff was so deadly they said like one drop and it kills people within you know 70 meters and like in the atmosphere 70 80,000 dead on instant impact i mean if you're so, in a crowded city they, they kept saying a million right like they would have killed a million people yeah why are you hitting a city on the on the coast but do you think that rocket hits the water does that not destroy any marine life in the area so what is happens with the, i mean this happens in movies all the time where like a nuclear bomb like oh thank god it went off in the pacific ocean like I think that's a we'll deal with it tomorrow, you know, issue. You know that's what I mean? Like, millions of ecosystems. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like water, like people in the water and who knows how it like resonates out. I mean, it could be Chernobyl, but they're just happy that the instant impact, they can at least control some part of it. You know what I mean? And people love a good, you know, missed on impact with like scene, like the scene where he launches the rocket the first time. You're like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So question, though, do you think? So all the other Marines were willing to kill a million people to get what they wanted. Were they? You think? Are you asking were they? Yeah, I'm asking. No, I think a lot of them had second thoughts. The couple, the captain, uh, the, the, the two captains. Yeah, yeah, the mercenary guys when they called themselves mercenaries at the end. I think they really wanted their money and they were going to do it no matter what. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, the way Ed Harris was kind of a honest, straightforward kind of general who told it like it is. You think he would have told them in the planning of this that like this is an act of force we will not be firing rockets you know what i mean well right because in the beginning when they're infiltrating that uh chemical base they use all darts yeah right? they're not so they're, not, see, they're yeah, not trying think, to hurt a single marine you would think in the highlights he would have been like hey guys we're actually not going to launch these rockets if things go wrong you know we'll take the helicopters with the vs gas and the uh hostages and i'll take right, them get out of here. right but i guess i mean once you break that's so interesting it's actually kind of a cool psychological experiment if you get a bunch of Marines and you make them mercenaries, it's like, when do they start to break rank? You know what I mean? Because they're not Marines anymore. That's just a good point. I don't know. Um, like the cycle, like this, I mean, I'm sure some people are like psychologically tied to being a Marine and like, you know, you hear a general yelling at you. Like when, even at the end, when that private had to take, uh, or no, the Sergeant Crisp had to take Ed, uh, Ed Hummel's gun. He was like reluctant because he's like, this is the guy that commands me. He was, he was shitting his pants. He was so scared. Oh, yeah. That guy's awesome in general. That guy's in uh, Ray. and His name is Bokeem Woodbine. He's in a bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah. He was in a, he was a, like Ray's drug dealer in Ray. Remember that? He was uh, also really big Jamie, in Fargo. Jamie Foxx's Ray? Yeah. 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 Okay. He was like the the horn player who was oh, like his. Fargo. Like, right. Yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's got a good face. I like that. It, it's very, it's very weird. Like, there's certain actors that have a unique gap between their teeth that works for them. Like, you know, the Michael Strahan corollary and he's got it. So we've talked about all the actors. What about the two main actresses in the film? Nick Cage's fiance and Sean Connery's daughter. Okay. So Nick Cage's fiance, I love her. And I don't understand why she wasn't a bigger star. Who is she? I, I don't know. I, I texted you last night, but she was married to Corey Feldman for a very short period of time. Well, that explains um, it. I, I, I mean, think, that's bad decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs> she was in a few films, had a few kids, and kind of just dropped off Hollywood. I loved her. Just something about like her weird energy with Nick Cage. Like you, you felt like they were married. You know what I mean? Like this woman gets him. She's a little weird. 
Like, of course, they're going to be on the rooftop with all these Chinese lanterns while he's playing a guitar. And, you know, she has pigtails on. I, think, like, I was just going to ask, did you like the pigtails? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> but yes, yes, I did. But uh, so and his and Sean Connery's daughter, she's been in stuff before, right? Yeah, she looked familiar, but I, I, I'm looking through her uh, IMBD and I, there's nothing. Meet Joe Black, I guess. Oh, yeah, she was. Like, Susan Parrish, Meet Joe Black. But that's so it. she kind of, she looks like the doppelganger for the girl who's the love interest in The Departed. You know, the psychologist that, uh, yeah, so she, she kind of looks like that. She does. Yeah. So I wonder if that like market corrected her, but Ooh. yeah. So, I mean, everyone in this movie was perfect. I mean, would you change anything about this movie? No, I, I think I ran through some research and I saw that Arnold Schwarzenegger was set to play Nick Cage's character. Yeah. Actually, he was offered uh, the Sean Connery role too, apparently like okay. in early stages but too. He hated the script. Yeah, this is that's when it was eighty pages, and it was before uh, Tarantino and Sorkin. And he said he's a big so, regret of his. Do you think after Tarantino and Sorkin get a hold of it, Schwarzenegger's still in this film? Yeah, I think so. But because Schwarzenegger likes working with like smart people who are like doing well in Hollywood, he's pretty intelligent about the movies he picked. But I don't think he wor- He's too distracting. You know what I mean? It's I, like I don't think they'd had that dynamic between Cage and Connery with Schwarzenegger and Connery. Oh man, is he Schwarzenegger and Cage on screen together though? Has that ever happened? <laughs> Has that ever happened? I, I, man, that's a good question. I don't. Think I, don't so. I don't think so. Because Schwarzenegger does have a weird, funny, jokey energy to him. Like you know, the Total Recall, they'll like crack some jokes. He could work. It's just I think Sean Connery playing the straight man in this. I think Arnold would have been too back and forth. It would have been a different movie. It would have been more. I lethal. think I think Schwarzenegger may have commanded more of the screen. A little overpowering. I think I, I think it would be more campy, you know what I mean? Like because they'd both be kind of just shooting jokes off each other, <laughs> and just Schwarzenegger's just size and ridiculousness. Although it would make it more believable that he was taking out all those Marines. Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah, yeah other than Nick Cage, right? Who has no military training whatsoever. I thought well, he wouldn't be British SAS. What would he be like a German SAS? I guess or something or yeah, Austrian? Yeah, Austrian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, like I said, pretty much a perfect movie, and I was. Literally, my during the entire entire two hours and thirteen minutes, I was watching this. I was like, my mouth was open. I was smiling. I was quoting everything, and I was really just thankful to watch this movie. It was just so enjoyable on so many levels. Like, yeah, it, I, it really brought me back to a youth of again watching this film on TV every weekend. And there's nothing better than a movie that you idolize as a kid, and you're like, oh, thank God, it's still good. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. my how I thought then because. I don't know if you've done this, but like when you watch movies 10 years later, you're kind of like, wow, I was at a different point in my life. And that movie's stupid. You know what I mean? Like the, like the third or fourth time you watch Fight Club, it's, it's a great movie, but you're not in the same testosterone rage. Let's take down the system that you were in your early 20s. So, I mean, like it's, it's a different feeling when you watch a movie 10 years later. This one's the same. Huh. Well, I guess Andrew, <laughs> I guess Andrew got cut out. So I think that's the end of the movie and the end of the movie review. So, you know, it's a quick cut. It's a Michael Bay quick cut at the end of the movie. So thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Or no, not next week. I do. I do podcasts randomly on random days. So this is all improv. So, <laughs> so in the next couple of days, we'll see you. Thanks, Andrew.